Not going to lie. I'm not looking forward to unicorns. Okay. Fine. So you're going to try to convince me that there's actual unicorns in Scotland. Maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Good luck. All right. You ready? Five, four, three. Welcome to another episode of Wolf Takes a Bite. I'm your host, John Wolf, with my co-host, Devin Gray. What's up, everybody? And today, we're going to be talking about something that I think everybody's been waiting for me to cover for a long, long time. That is alien abduction. Wait a second. <laughs> I climbed into the hills. I, I would, I'm romantic. I would like Bigfoot to exist. One type is about three feet tall, very dark, not humanoid at all, yet lizard-looking. The creatures that I have seen mostly have been the, uh, the greys. To the search for truth, little grey men, little grey men from outer space who actually abduct humans. All right, it's 8.30 in the morning. All right, we've already been throwing around gallons of milk. He did throw a gallon of milk at me. <laughs> and, and, and he tells me that the whole episode we're doing today is unicorns in Scotland. And I'm like, I'm like, so your whole goal today is to try to convince me of unicorns. And you're like, what did you say to me? What? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> And now we start the fucking episode. All right. Keep you on your toes, man. Okay. I'm I'm mentally not prepared for this, but you know what? I'm zip tied to the chair. I can't go anywhere. Let's do it. All right, back to the pilot. <laughs> Keep your tray tables and conspiracy theories in the upright position at all times during the flight of the show. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Thank you very much. So what we're specifically going to be covering today is the story of Betty and Barney Hill. Okay. One of the most infamous alien abduction stories in American history. I feel like I've I've at least heard of this. Oh, I, I'm sure you have, okay. to one degree or another. Okay. The interesting part is, later on in the episode, what I actually have been able to dig up is actual audio recordings of Barney Hill under hypnosis regression therapy, reliving the experience and explaining what he sees. Okay. It's... Absolutely terrifying. Now, it, I had to comb through about 40-ish minutes worth of very bad 70s audio tape and clean it up. And I got it down under 15 minutes. So we're going to go section by section through different parts as we go along. But first, I want to do a little bit of backstory for a lot of people who don't know about yeah. alien abductions. Okay. There's many people who believe in this. More people than you think including influential people like nuclear physicists, doctors of many specialities, and even more notable people in our government have even come out and said that they believe in alien abductions. Now, the question is, is abduction still a thing? And if so, why don't we hear about it very much anymore? Mm. Are aliens really taking us, or are they just mass <laughs> collective dreams that are exactly the same? That feels unlikely. Agreed. I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, you, you. This is the. This is one of the few topics that I think that, for the most part, I'm going to be most excited to talk about. I mean, I'm still a skeptic, but I'm 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 much more on board with this than the than the chupacabra. And this is why I wanted you on your toes until yeah. the very moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. 
Abduction stories have been told by thousands of people, a large portion of which have really no interest or fame in the money that come from the growing pop cultural thing. They just have told their stories. They're not trying to, you know, cash in on the books. They're not trying to get on the TV. They're just, they wanted their story to be heard. So to me, that holds some validity because if you're going to go ahead and announce to everybody that you know that I was abducted by aliens, I would at least want a little cash drop off that. Are we going to, and it's fine if we're not, I just want to know now that way I know to keep my mouth shut because it's definitely a future episode. Are we going to be talking at all about Bob Lazar? Maybe you're going to be telling me about it. I'm I'm not prepared to do that. I have not heard that. Oh. Oh, so I got something digging to do now. Oh. <laughs> all right, so our next episode. All right, Bob Lazar. <laughs> Jesus. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll actually do some research for an episode. That sounds good. <laughs> It's working. I'm actually getting him to do <laughs> stuff. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's hard to do things when you're zip-tied to this chair. Yeah, I, I'd give you water, man. <laughs> and throw milk at you. <laughs> you gave me, like, I just imagine <laughs> I just imagine me in, like, a dark room, zip-tied to this fucking chair with, like, a giant, like, hamster water bottle. If there's any artists that are listening to our podcast, could you... Try and draw what you think me and Devin look like. More specifically, what Devin looks like bondage to this chair. No, no, I don't want to see that. I, I want to see what it. the mind's eye of an artist sees when they hear you speak about being in this chair. <laughs> fan art. Woo! Yeah, actually, that'd be dope. We have not had any fan art yet. So. Oh, man, that's I'm pushing for it. I'm trying yeah, to get art. Cool. People are out there are artists. I want fan art bad. We should probably get some fans. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> Actually, right. wait, no, no, no. We got to get, because this is supposed to be a 45 minute run yes. time. We got to get to this. I am trying, sir. Right, sorry. <laughs> Fan art. Fan art. <laughs> Do it. So, other than it being a part of our collective personality disorder, which I think is very far fetched anyway, many mainstream scientists rejected this, not surprisingly, just like we did, uh, due to lack of notable people and evidence. But Hundreds of people have had physical implants in their bodies, some of which have unidentifiable properties and even emit some deep space radio signals. Now, this is confirmed. The odd devices have effects that, if reverse engineered, would change the field of medicine forever, including like some of the injection sites of these things. I was looking into it. They have um, wherever these implants were, the skin, the tissue, the organs, wherever it was implanted, actually heals in a way that is so, it, it's like rapid healing, but it's like it, ne it was never fissured or spliced or cut or all. So there's like no scar? There's no, like, well, there is some scarring on the surface sometimes, uh -huh. but it's the, it's the internal structure. So there is a physicist, I'm not a physicist, I'm sorry, a doctor, Dr. Roger Lear. Uh, Roger Kevin Lear um, was... Alive March 20th, or born March 20th, 1935, through March 14th, 2014. Really weird to die in the same month that you were born. Just noting that. Just noting that. That's really weird. Uh, he was an American uh, pediatric surgeon uh, and a UFOologist. Best known as an investigator of alleged alien implants. Lear wrote books such as The Aliens and the Scalpel and appeared on various radio and television shows, including Coast to Coast AM, claiming he had discovered proof of non-terrestrial experimentation on mankind. And that is his exact quote. 
by the way. Other skeptics ask, is there some unknown chemical reaction in the brain that looks and feels like an alien abduction hallucination or form of based on our collective consciousness or paranoia of being abducted or being uh, part of something greater? Because, again, religion kind of mankind we we come up with these grandiose ideas of our existence because we need that to sustain our existence but the odd thing is that the memories that the of these experiences of these people are often so vivid and highly detailed whatever mental illness it could explain it wouldn't work because even skeptics say that those people are mentally sound and they don't show any signs of mental uh, psycho paranoias. These people are mentally sound. <laughs> I believe so. I'm a skeptic. They've they've taken many many psychological tests to prove that they're psychologically I mean, sound. I haven't. Seen it's not report, schizophrenia. So I don't. I haven't seen the report, so I have no reason to doubt this. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've obviously I've heard a lot about this kind of stuff, and um, there's a lot of them where it's like. Come on. And then there's some of them where it's like a real like head scratcher. So, yeah. And, and if it is schizophrenia, how does that explain the marks, the burns, the implants, the geometrical puncture marks that are showing up on these people who have been supposedly alien abduction? Yeah. And that doesn't happen for like all supposed abductions, right? Just no, it's, yeah. it's not all cases, but it is um, in the last 10, 15 years or 20 years, I should say, really. Really, it, it's ha- it happens more. We're seeing physical adaptations to these abductions other than just the stories. Okay. Now this could also be for whatever nefarious purpose. And if so, who is behind it? <clears throat> government. Um, you with the fucking government. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite word. Or this is something only uh, And this is a word that I really have to try and get correct on here. It's hard to read. This is something that only psychodynamics or psychopathology can explain. There we go. Use that cut. <laughs> okay, so we get into the story. Yes. Okay. I, I just wanted some background. No, no, that makes sense. Um, get people on board. There's quite a bit more here. Um, all right. So, for instance, Stanton Friedman, a nuclear physicist who worked on many classified projects and rocket programs for, including GE, Westinghouse, and a lot more major companies. He's also a UF come out as a UFOologist and is the first civilian investigator of the Roswell incident. Mm. And he believes we have currently do have scientific proof that interstellar travel is now possible for us as humankind. He also says that if, if I told you 70 years ago that we would be able to have an aircraft carrier that could go 18 years without refueling, you'd say he was absolutely crazy. Yeah. But yeah. that's a fact. We have a U.S. military aircraft carrier that goes 18 years out to sea, Without having to stop for refuel. Yeah, it's it's um uh, the nuclear power plants on those boats, right? Uh, they use nuclear power and then they use recyclical um, energy sources. Uh, so they were able to like you reuse fossil fuels as well. Yeah, because I know on a lot of those big like especially the U.S. military um, submarines, you know, giant aircraft carriers and stuff, are it's nuclear power plants for the most part. So it's it's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. You, I mean, it's efficient. I mean, yeah, probably not great for the environment, but. If you ever wanted to send I mean, one of those suckers out to space, it would look cool as shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nuclear's pretty clean, I think. I'm pretty sure. Other than the radioactive waste. The waste sucks, yeah. That takes tens of thousands of years to, to I mean, even yeah. start to decay. It's got to be better than coal, though, right? No. 
I don't, I don't no. think you're right about that. You know, honestly, if aliens are afraid of us for any reason, it's probably because we split the fucking atom. Yeah, they're probably like, what are these fucking psychopaths <laughs> doing? <laughs> That's why they're trying to figure out what's wrong with us. <laughs> they're like, don't they know how fucking horrible that is? No. <laughs> no, we don't. We like testing. This is another account, and I'm, I'm keeping these accounts brief for you. Yeah. Another account from the Major General John Samfor of the Intelligence Chiefs of US United, United States Air Force in 1952 made this public comment, and it was on... Uh, it was on television. It was a public address. We have received hundreds of reports of erroneous, non-threatening. I'm going to try and have to do it in his voice because it is definitely 1952. <laughs> Should you, though? <laughs> we have received hundreds of reports of erroneous, non-threatening, unidentified aircraft that are not a threat to national security. Man-made hoaxes or doctorated civilian aircraft. However, there are a percentage of this volume of reports made by credible observers of appearances that are incredible things. It is this group of observations that we are now attempting to resolve. But we can sit with certainty that the unexplained holds no value of threat to the United States of America. Yeah, yeah that, sounds like an, uh, that sounds like a U.S. official. I mean, yeah, that was I quoted. I had to sit here and type everything he's fucking saying. <laughs> that was... A pain in the ass, but it was worth it for that voice. <laughs> At eight o'clock in the morning. God, fuck! I keep forgetting what time it is. It does feel like nighttime in here. Yeah, every time we do these things, it's at <laughs> night. So it's like, <laughs> all right. So they already, they already know that they've known way before the fifties. Like the, this isn't the first thing. The largest concern to the existence of aliens would be of a religion on technology and industry. If there are others out there, did Jesus die to save their lives too? Or does this all become unraveled and our view of existence has become shattered? Yeah, I think it would break a lot of society. And I think that, and that's kind of where it's like, if the government did know for sure, I think that they know the ramifications of just come, coming out and saying aliens are 100% real. Here's the proof. Yeah. And, 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 and it would I get break that. society. See, that's what I'm saying. I, that's, uh, that's why that was all caps for me. It's probably going to get, I mean, it gets it's important. better, right? If we do prove the existence of aliens, I mean, mm -hmm. the world itself would fall apart. Like just because of everything that we've ever been indoctrinated with and told yeah. for generations. I mean, it's be definitely better than like in the fifties. It would have been way worse. Mm. Whereas nowadays you got a lot more people who would be kind of accepting of that. I don't think I a lot think. of people now would even give a fuck. You know, there's an argument to be made there. <laughs> there's there's a, probably a lot of people that probably be like, uh, aliens, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Keep their head down and keep fucking working. Yeah, they'll just be like, no, keep me in my nine to five. I don't care. Just, yeah. As long as that little uh, insectoid motherfucker doesn't come near me uh, and mess with my guns, my <laughs> bacon, my pancakes, we're not going to have a problem. That would probably be one of the biggest issues. <laughs> it would probably be specious. Like oh, people, it would totally be specious. Which, hey, you know, I'm going to go on record as saying humanity first. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Right oh, now. yeah, we're prime. Fuck dolphins. Prime mates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Both of us said something really dumb. Just <laughs> I can't wait to hear that in edit. <laughs> no, no, it's just like, it's, it's like definitely, I mean, it's still horrifying because right now through the past like 20, 30 years, we've somewhat heard about at least four main races of aliens that have come to Earth. 
Okay. There's the tall whites. Mm-hmm. There's the short grays. Mm-hmm. There's the insect gray. And okay. then there are the lizards. Okay. So the and last two. The are, last two are the l- most rarely seen or spoken about. I, the last two terrify me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but then again, a 10-foot tall glowing white guy yeah, but they're would like, also terrify me. But they're at least in like like a homo sapien sort of shape, right? I mean, if anything, they're gen- they were probably created by the greys or some other uh. physical creature to look like us, or they are trying to look like us as well. See, the <clears throat> greys and the tall whites, they do a lot to try and protect humanity as well as to simulate and look like humanity when they're doing these things to make things less traumatic on us. Great. And you see that a lot in the reports. Gray men? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Gray men look like us. They talk like us. They walk like us. <laughs> I wonder if they have media. You know, probably deep space media. I'm probably pissing a lot of aliens off. <laughs> Click clack, sir. He stole our idea. Stop. You're going to make him mad. <laughs> he took our idea for a podcast. What will we do now? Listen, there's no way that from this show we're not already on government list somewhere, so you need to chill out we don't need to be on the alien list also <laughs> i mean if we all make them laugh they'll probably forget about it we're just crazy over here just They're ignore enraged. us ignore <laughs> us these are not the humans you're looking for <laughs> all right you got more i do so now stories of alien reductions just to summarize here real quick go back way further than most people think including the story i'm about to tell you guys today uh in 19 in 1896 a colonel Colonel H.G. Shaw claimed that he and a friend encountered a landed spacecraft and three slender humanoid-looking beings whose bodies were covered with fine, downy hair tried to kidnap them. Now, this is a fifth kind of alien that is very rarely spoken of except for earlier days, which were the Bigfoot-looking aliens. Okay. So keeping that in mind. Right after that event, in the next several months, eight or more accounts were reported. 52 crashes. I'm sorry, that's a typo. Five crashes, two landings, and four flyovers. You're like, you're like 52, and then you're like, I you just pause, said eight. you're like, what? No, it's eight more accounts were reported. Okay. Five crashes, two landings, and four flyovers. Okay, got it. That's math. Not 52. And the event ended with the famous Aurora, Texas crash in 1897. Aurora. Aurora, Texas. Okay. Which is, if we want, the Alien series takes off, we can go into a lot of these, and that would be really interesting. Yeah, I imagine we'll probably explore aliens quite a bit. I I think it's like going to be the most canon thing we do. Canon. I I don't know why I like to say that. It's just my favorite word, man. You know. Right right out there next to government. Government. All right, 60 years later, an established South African farmer, like very high up, you know, very well claimed, uh, said that they were taken onto a mothership by ETs. And then in 1957, Antonio Vieles Boros, a Brazilian farmer, claimed to be abducted and dragged into a craft by a gray humanoid wearing a gray jumpsuit and a helmet. Remember the helmet, that's important for our story today. But in 1961, the most famous story of alien abductions took place. 
Roswell. And that is the story of Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, now we're doing it. See? I, I ha- like how it looped around. Yep. I got it. I, I did good at this yeah, time in my book yeah, report. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also helps that I let you get through the material. It really makes it easier if you just let me read my shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you let me get through the prelim, you're, it, it makes so much more sense. Well, listen, <laughs> I believe we were drinking. A lot. Um, Maybe we should do these in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. What, what, what so we're going to write this drunk and then perform it sober in the morning. We're going to write it drunk. <laughs> um, we'll have someone proofread it. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll perform it in the morning. You don't want to proofread this. <laughs> so. We're professionals. Yes. In Portsmouth, New Hampshire. What? Portsmouth. Okay. You meant to say that. Yes. Okay. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There's a plaque on the side of the road of Route 3, and the plaque reads, on the night of September 19th through the 20th in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, a couple, Betty and Barney Hill, experienced a close encounter with an identified flying object. And two hours later of lost time while driving south on Route 3 near Lincoln, they filed an official Air Force Project Blue Book report of a brightly lit cigar-shaped aircraft. The next day, they were not public with their story until it was leaked in the Boston Traveler in 1965. This was the first widely reported UFO abduction report in United States history. So there is a plaque on the side of the road that reads this. So it's, again, one of the biggest stories that have ever been told, really. That's a lot to put on a plaque. It is. It's it's like the memorial plaques, you know, or the the history plaques you see when you drive up and down certain roads in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those. Okay. For people who are driving somewhere and don't want to get there... But like, <laughs> they well. just want to stop at every black. <laughs> uh, so here's the story, as depicted from Project Blue Book. On a trip from Canada, already on a creepily dark road, quarter past ten, three miles past Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty saw what the sh- what she thought was a falling star, but it moved like a fly, looking for a place to land. Barney, her husband, said it was just a satellite. They had a dog with them as well. Daisy. Or Delzy. I can't really say what, so we're going to call it Daisy. All right, uh, he stopped to walk the dog, and Betty looked at the light with binoculars. Betty watched the craft cross the moon, flashing multicolored lights. When Barney looked at the craft, the craft came rushing to them, so they rushed to get back to the car to take off. Barney screamed, Is it chasing us? And then a thought, of course, that Betty and Barney's Hill's minds, as they drove down the road, empty, winding country roads in New Hampshire. It was a September night, 1961, and they hadn't seen a car for miles. A strange light in the sky seemed to follow them. The craft blocks the road, and he stops the car. He puts a gun into his pocket from the trunk and walks to the craft. Barney saw the craft open up with a red light on on the tip of a wing-like ends, pancake-shaped craft with rows of windows going all the way around the center of it. And inside those windows, through his binoculars, he's able to see non-human-looking-like things moving like Germans, almost in formation. With the binoculars, he said, viewing the windows, they never stopped looking at him. 
Barney quotes, this creature, the leader, he is telling me something. I can see it in his face. His lips aren't moving. He's looking at me. I hear it in my head. I have some recording. Oh, this is where we're getting. Okay. This is, yes. I got you. Because I think it'd just be better to hear it from Barney's mouth versus me telling it. Okay. Um, so what this is, for all of you, this is the um, hypnosis regression therapy session uh, with Barney Hill as he recounts this horrifying story. Because none of this was something he could remember to tell you. It was just something that he went through. And it, all, all the information we have of his story, of what happened to them that night, comes from this regression therapy session. Which, again, would, at the time, was very new age, and it's very forward in um, psychology. Like, you know, it's almost unbelievable. And it, but it's, it's been a proven working session. Like, hypnotherapy, maybe not so, but hypno-regression therapy, for whatever reason, is... It is... A so real thing. It works. Yeah, it works. Okay, gotcha. So here we go. <laughs> you go deeper and deeper, deeper sleep. Far asleep. Deeper and deeper. Fully relaxed. All muscles are relaxed. You're comfortable. Relaxed. And Betty said, Look, there's a star moving. And I look and I see a star. But I said, Betty, that's a satellite. We are seeing a satellite. And then I pulled over to the side of the road. And Betty jumped out her side on her side with the binoculars. And I looked toward the sky and I looked and I'm saying, hurry up, Betty, so I can get a look. Betty, it is not a flying saucer. What are you doing that for? You want to believe in this thing, and I don't. I want to wake up. You're not going to wake up. You're in a deep sleep. You're comfortable. Relax. This is not going to trouble you. Go on. You can remember everything now. It's right over my right. God, what is it? And I try to maintain control so Betty cannot tell I am scared. God, I'm scared. It's all right. You can go right on and experience it. It will not hurt you now. I got to get my gun. So that's just the first part. Well, you can tell he's fucking shook. Oh, he is horrified. I've listened. Look, I had to take a break one day when I was editing this. I was like, no, nah, I can't do this anymore today. <laughs> like every time he loses his shit, my goosebumps just spidey senses, spidey senses tingling, man. I'm just fucking losing my shit. Like, ooh, 
at first I was like, this guy seems pretty chill about this whole ordeal. And then as the as it progresses, it's just like this dude is fucking freaked out. Yeah, I mean, okay, so again, remember the fact he is under hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So he's in a dream sleep-like state. And yeah. the whole point of the session, the reason that uh, the doctor, Simeon, is talking to him like that is to keep him calm, to remember yeah. it. Because it is an extremely horrifying event yeah. that you're recalling. It's like trying to re- um, ha- ask a woman or somebody who's been raped to recall that event in extreme detail, like visually seeing it in their mind again. Yeah. It's, it's you're basically horrifying. You're basically reliving this moment uh-huh. that was fucking traumatic. And then you're also having to explain it to this other person. And you can't, you, you're <clears throat> describing what you're seeing because that's how you've been told to do it. Right, right, right. And it's like you're you're living it again. It, it, it's it, it's, it's wild. Intense. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. Um, so, and I put definitely more sections of his recording into this than anybody else that I've ever heard release any of this. Like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, History Channel, everybody has done a story on this. They only put the parts where he's freaking out. Yeah. But I made sure that I cut in a lot of this content where he's just talking about it because to me that's more fascinating and it holds value and weight to what he's saying yeah. versus just hearing somebody, ah, his eyes, he's freaking out. I need a gun. You know, like, yeah, okay, that's freaky yeah. when you add music to it, but no, I want the real yeah, story. The whole thing. Yeah. So we're going to go listen to it just a little bit more because okay. uh, he talks about Betty's uh, section of this in just a little bit. And I walked across the road. There it is up there. Oh, God right. damn it. Calm down. Calm down. It's there. But you can see it, but it's not going to hurt you. Why doesn't it go away? Look at it. There's a man there. There's a man there. Is he a captain? What is he? You gotta look at me. It's very big, and it's not that far. So, just a note there. Um, I know that the last section was probably hard to understand, but yeah, I was gonna say he. Uh, what he was talking about it was like the the leader, which he will describe again here in a minute. Um, the leader was looking at him mm. with these eyes. And he talks about the eyes uh, a couple times in this. And it's just, like, horrifying. I mean, it's straight-up horror. Like, something that is so far beyond your brain's concept of reality. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. If you're if you're kind of like a more traditional individual that doesn't really look into this, which, of course, this happened, you know, in the 60s, so you really wouldn't be thinking like this. And then to see something that just goes against everything that you understand would be... Fucking traumatic. Yeah, and, and also to put to put some levity on Buddy and Barney Hill. Again, they were in the. It was in the fifties. Oh, 50s, Sorry, I said sixties. They were an interracial couple. Oh, really? Yes. Barney was a black man, and Betty was a white woman in the nineteen fifties. Which again, already a lot of pressuring weight there, mm. uh, as far as like social normandies. Like it was very against the norm. Yeah. But again. These two individuals weren't just some random individuals. They were very well respected. Mm. Betty had a, a very established job. Uh, Barney was um, an electric. He had degrees in electrical engineering and aerospace. And but the reason he couldn't work in it was because of his skin color. 
Mm-hmm. So he got a job with the post office instead, but he was he moved up very quickly, and they were both very well respected members of not only their community, um, but uh, the world over. Barney Hill, <laughs> Barney Hill was a part of a lot of um, one of the Ford acting movements, uh-huh. many of the Ford acting movements for Black Americans and Black American rights. Gotcha. Okay. So again, very well respected members of the community. Okay. And for them to come out with this story again, they didn't just release it. It's like I said earlier, they didn't want infamy they didn't want fame they didn't want money they just reported it to the government like any good god-fearing american would do in 1950 <laughs> in 1950s okay now we're like fuck you government take me alien but <laughs> but you know i mean that's what i'm saying like these are good honest working americans and they are already going through a lot just based upon the time period that they were living in right and i can see it tilted toward me. It tilted. And what does it look like now when you say tilted? Did you see it wings? Is, looks like a big, big pancake with windows and rows of windows and lights of not. Not, not light, just one huge light. They're not like a commercial plane because they curve around to the size of this pancake. And I say, my God, no, I, I have to shake my head. I got to, I got to, it can't be true, this isn't fair. It, Oh, it's still there. And I look up and down the road. Can't somebody come and tell me this is not there? It can't be. And... Yeah, I put those breaks in there in between them so I could comment. Um, and I wonder what do you think so far of it as well. Um... Well, I have no reason to not believe this individual. Agreed. Um, always going to be skeptic. Um, but you know, I don't know. I this one, I believe, I believe a lot more. And plus, this dude sounds legit, like freaked out. So what? Whether whether he saw this thing happen, whether this this event actually happened, something definitely fucked him up. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, in 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 hearing like another few minutes, he's gonna actually be talking about his experience on the spaceship, uh, which is when it gets really creepy. And I have to put a PSA warning out for those uh, younger viewers out there, or people with heart conditions. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, if I let my binoculars fall and dangle from my neck. And then start over again. Maybe it won't be there. But it is. Why? What do they want? What do they want? They, they, they. One person looks friendly. He's friendly looking. 
and he's looking at me over his right shoulder and he's smiling like that could you see him clearly yes i thought what's his face like what does it make you think of it's round i think of i think of a red-haired irishman i don't know why but i think i know why because irish are usually hostile to negroes and when i see a friendly irish person i react to it by thinking i will be friendly so that's a point i wanted to also pause on here <clears throat> he describes the aliens as what he thinks they look like as an irishman mm. which uh, to him and especially in the 1950s not somebody who's very nice to people of his skin color. So it makes, it misbakes the difference because you hear about this a lot, especially even in this story, that especially with the grays, that they project this imagery, like almost psychic kinetically energy. They project things uh, to change their appearance or to change their, the way you're emotionally feeling about what you're seeing. And I feel like they do this a lot. Mm. with humans like to try and either soften the blow of what's really happening or to make them feel safer because even at one point when he's talking about being dragged on the ship he's like they're not gonna hurt me i am safe that wasn't so bad but really what happened was fucking insanity (laughs) (laughs) it was nuts they're like projecting something um like telepathically to like feel more relaxed about a situation yeah yeah, okay. like gotcha. it, it's almost like um, I, I don't even know if psychic's the right word, but it's almost like some kind of psychic drug. Like yeah. they're just projecting. That's what this. I was thinking. Like almost like like because you 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 think of like morphine and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like that's what we use to knock people out to like you know cut them open and do you know these advanced surgeries. It's kind of like that, except for it it wouldn't be administered through like needle or IV or something like that. It would be somehow telepathically. Yeah, done, it, it's a telepath. Weird. There we go. Telepathic. It's like yeah. a telepathic anesthetic. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, any creature with the ability to do that would pretty fucking bother me. That's for damn sure. I mean, no, no, that's that's probably the scariest thing to me. Yeah, yeah. Is that they can just, like, it's like the um, sleep paralysis. Like, they can just make you feel fucking yeah. immobile. Like, they make you feel any way they want you to feel. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. And, and, then the disp- <laughs> and then when he talks about them, too, being dressed um, almost like Germans, mm. like, that to me is, like, also it's World worse, War II. <laughs> After the end of after the end of World War One, after the end of World War Two, yes, two, two. <laughs> it's nine o'clock in the morning. I'll fucking get over it. <laughs> the facts are the facts. The facts are the facts. Damn it. The rest of what I say may not be. <laughs> Read between the lines, people. <laughs> just keep looking and stay there, and just keep looking. Just keep looking. Could you hear each other? Oh, I got to pull these binoculars away from my eyes. Because if I don't, I'll just keep staying there. Could you hear him tell you this? Oh, no. He didn't say it. You felt he said it. I I know. You know he did. Just there. Yeah. Just stay there. He's saying to me. It's All right. I'll in my head. Just pull the binoculars away. God, give me strength. All right. Pull it down. 
this clear okay this is another instance of them projecting something that would be familiar or they think would be human-like familiar arity to him Mm -hmm. they projected themselves as men in black suits Mm. he describes that he doesn't say the nazi uniform the gray skin the big eyes anymore this account that he was just speaking of happened right after him and betty he finally put the binoculars down and was so terrified, he tried to take off. Couldn't get in the car. Betty was just sitting there smiling. She's loving this. Betty, by the way, is all for aliens. She's, like, all about this. She's, like, talking to them. She's, like, shaking her hand. Like, she's having a fucking good old time. <laughs> and then I have, uh, there's no tapes I could find of her, uh, what happened to her. But I do have some really interesting points from her perspective. Okay. Of, of what happened while she was in the operating rooms. Uh, but this specific scenario that he's talking about is the men in the black suits that were chasing them. This is after they've abandoned the car and they ran off to the woods on the right side of the road. Mm. And they come, so the ship is in the middle of the road and they are coming after them and they now look like men in black suits. He thinks it's the government. He thinks it's people robbing him. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, that to me, again, shows that psychic link that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely really wild. We only have about maybe two and a half minutes left. Okay. And it's going to get really intense. So if you have a weak stomach or you, are, if you're still listening and you're not freaked out, great. If you are going to 
be kind of probably freaked out by this. Listen, anyway, <laughs> this content may not be for younger viewers. <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. It's like they're messing with their mind. It's like they're under some kind of hallucination. And this could be a callback to the purple powder that uh, she found on her dress, Betty found on her dress. Maybe it was like a psychedelic or a sedative or some kind of mind control uh, um, substance. Just something that alters their mind and their perception of their own reality to think that these aliens aren't really what they look like. But as soon as that fades in and fades out, he gets horrified and terrified and screaming. So, screamingly so, because it's like they have this control over them, but when he sees what they really are, I mean, he, he loses his shit. The eyes are there. Always the eyes are there. And they're telling me. I don't have to be afraid. Is there an accident down the road? What's the red? The bright red. Bright red? Yeah. What is that? Orange and red. Where is that? Right down the road. Down the road. I am going up a slight incline, and my feet are not bumping on the rocks. That's funny. I thought of my feet bumping on the rocks. And they are going up smoothly. But I'm afraid to open my eyes and being told strongly by myself to keep my eyes closed and don't open them. And I don't want to be operated on. You don't want to be operated on. What makes you think of an operation? I don't know. So he's saying that he doesn't want to be operated on. So it's almost like this mind transference in itself, right? Um, it has to have like a two-way gate, right? Like they don't have complete and total control. He's also getting images and information from them. Not quite as strongly as that he is having put onto him. But it's definitely there. Like, this is the only thing that I could say that would make sense. That it's there. He's got the imagery. They didn't tell him he's going to be operated on. But he knows that is the intention. You were thinking about this when you were there on the road. I was thinking about this when I was lying on my stomach. I was laying on the table and my fly was open and I thought, are they putting a cup around my private parts? She gets into the car and I am grinning at her. And she is grinning back at me. And we both seem so elated. 
and we are really happy and I'm thinking it isn't too bad. How funny. I have no reason to fear and we look and I see a bright moon and I laugh and say, well, there it goes. <laughs> So heavy shit. So we're that's a weird ending, right? Because like mm-hmm. he's freaking out through this whole thing, and then it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, could have been worse, dude. You were just abducted. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 this is the thing. This is just his side of the story, and it's again, it's it's mind-boggling how back and forth he gets mm-hmm. with his emotions, but I believe that again, whatever they did to erase his memory of the encounter had something to do with that. Yeah. Plus he's like, I mean, he's like, I would imagine whatever this therapy does, he's reliving it as it happens. So like Mm -hmm. he probably was scared and then probably got more scared. And then by the end of it, was probably a little bit more chill. So, I mean, it it tracks, it's just wild. Yeah. And, and, And it does show like, again, that, that level of acceptance mm-hmm. um, when it comes to like people, like when you're in a very high intensity situation you're under gunfire, you're um, in the middle of a war zone, you, whether you're uh, at, in the middle of a riot, whatever the case is, you know, you go through these stages psychologically of how you're going to do. You got first, your first instinct is fight or flight. Right. Um, his instinct was fucking run. Yeah. Which is very typical with alien abductions. Obviously get the away yeah whatever is you're not going to get away from yeah, that thing. whatever that thing is you're not going to be able to fight it you're so. not going to be able to fight you're, them. you're not going to be able to run either but you might as well try <laughs> <laughs> at least try um and then you know your next stage is to um you know he fight so he tried he had his gun but he never pulled it yeah uh i would have been shooting at the thing at least uh probably not the wisest idea but but then you then you come into this this level have you ever been like um Little when you were little, do you remember the lights going out and it feeling that intense fear, paralyzing feel where you can't? Oh yeah, you yeah, can't get a yeah. word out. You can't move. You're yeah. so freaking terrified. It's the unknown, the fear of the unknown. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes through that, and then he loses his shit, and finally he's like, ah! <laughs> and then he's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. And then again, there was a lot of things that have happened, weird things that happened. And this is, the, and I'm going to tell you all the aftermath mm. of what happened to them. Because after their encounter, they they started taking notes. Betty was like, again, he wanted to forget all of it. He wanted yeah. nothing to do with it. And I did uh, skip around in that recording a little bit and cut out some areas where he was like, Betty, I know you want to believe, but I don't. I can't accept this. This isn't right. No, no, no. And like he keeps... She's like, but look, look, Barney, it's a spaceship. And he's like, no, bitch, get in the car. We're leaving. <laughs> you know, she's not having it, um, but she's all about it. And, and, and her account is the weirdest, I think, of the two accounts. Um, first of all, when she was brought onto the ship, she was just like skippy dippy. Uh, she was doing whatever the fuck they told her. She was very influenced. Um, 
but her uh, what they did was they couldn't figure out, I guess, how to get her dress off to start doing samples and everything like that. Mm. So they just started cutting the dress, but like very surgically, like like L shaped patterns cut onto the dress. Sure. As well as her, uh, unlike Barney, uh, her dress was covered in a really weird purple dust that still we don't know what it is, but. She was always, uh, as soon as the encounter ended and they got home that evening, their first instinct was they like, we need to leave all the luggage and everything that was in the car by the back door. It's not coming in the house. It's radioactive. That was their first thought. Second thing that happened was that she took that dress off and shoved it in a bag and shoved it in the back of her closet for four years. Mm. Never pulled it out until after the story started coming out and people went, like the investigators were trying to figure out stuff. And that's when she finally figured out, well, there's a weird purple dust on it. There's cuts in specific areas. Um, So it was surgically torn. And then, like I said, five different labs could not identify what the substance was. Great. And I don't even know if they st- what now happened. Great. Um, as well as her account, she talks about um, they were taking nail samples, hair samples, skin samples, and uh, they were doing just all these regular different tests. And she uh, survived a lot longer than Barney, by the way. He died um, maybe like 10 years or so after this. Mm. I do have his death date in here. Um, but she, so she did a lot of this, like, interview stuff in the 80s again talking about her experience after, after his yeah. death yeah because yeah. um, he was not having a fuck of it right, right, right. <laughs> he was just like no um, so then there was a lot of stuff that happened to her with, with that and they were taking these different samples but one instance that really stuck out in, when her story that to me that was just insane is that there was two different uh, beings that were communicating with her specifically uh-huh. one had a really strong thick accent she said it wasn't English it was like speaking English in her mind, but it was it was really thick accent, and it, she couldn't identify where it was from. It was just not normal. Um, but the other one, the leader, the one in the black suit that Barney was talking about, he was very well spoken in her mind. Um, and they pulled out about she says like a four to six inch long needle, mm-hmm. almost a foot long needle, and stuck it into her navel. Right. And she said she felt burning, the worst intense pain. I mean, literally, you're getting stabbed in the worst place you get stabbed at. Um, burning intense pain. And she's like, is it going to hurt? And they're like, no. And they shove it in. And she's in screaming pain. And the leader waves his hand over her face, and she feels nothing. Freaky. They, they finished taking it. He just took her pain away. Freaky. Insanity. As well as they tried to, um, the leader was so excited with how, receptive she was of them that he tried to give her a book of some kind Now, what was in the book we don't know but it was like what what she could remember was like supposedly like about space travel about where they come from history like all this other kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, as well as they showed her a star map of where they're from right and now this stuck in her mind and it was in her nightmares after the encounter because again during this thing she was like all happy go lucky but afterwards she was you know they both were plagued with nightmares and she had this star map that, that she kept drawing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until about five, ten years later, a uh, st- like I think she was a high school or middle school teacher, a uh, science teacher, she looked at it and started co- doing star map comparisons and actually found that location. Interesting. Now, again, Betty Hill, happy-go-lucky little Betty Hill, uh, no idea what the fuck 
stars would be. I mean, there'd be no there'd be no way she could have possibly picked a random star. Right. She's not pattern. an astronomer. Yeah, there's no yeah. way she could have figured that out. But somebody matched it to a star system that's only 35 light years away from our planet. Whoa. Which is called Zeta Reticuli 2. I have no way of knowing if that's true or not. You can look it up. I mean, I just have I, to. T- I oh, just, other than the <laughs> research. Other than the research. Right, 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 right. Well, I know. I just, I don't know how to react to that. Like, that's fucking wild. Because um, that's what we did when we sent out that uh, that satellite with, like, that gold. Mm-hmm, di- we mm-hmm. made, like, the star map. I mean, it Everything it we sent out sense. to space has done that. It makes sense that, that that's what they would want. Like, if you were if you were to meet, like, a different species, that would be the first thing you'd want to be like, hey, this is where we're from, like... Here's my Insta, this yeah. is my planet. Right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, so, like, that was her experience, and then Barney's, on the other hand, quite a bit more traumatic. Remember when he was talking about the cup around his genitals? Yeah. Well, it was about a few weeks later, um, after the incident, that Barney had a feeling around his genitals that was normal. Mm-hmm. So he took a look at himself, and there was a very perfect concentric circle mm-hmm. of warts. Great. Above his pubis mons. Great. No idea why the aliens wanted to give him fucking herpes, but... Man, that's space herpes. He ended up actually dying of cancer, too, related to that, I believe. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, so when they finally got home... Uh, they were told, you know, they felt dirty. Their st- their watches stopped working as well. The car was magnetic. There were certain little points all over the trunk of the car where it looked like something was attached to it that were extremely magnetic. They put a compass on it. The compass would lose its fucking uh, magnetic sense and just start spinning, 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 spinning. Um, Barney's shoes were scuffed up. Betty's dress was ripped. Uh, again, they were 35 miles down the road, two hours of time loss when they came out of this abduction for not knowing something happened, but not knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Barney even took time off work due to ulcers that he developed uh, due an internal bleeding due to more trauma related to his uh, experience, what they, whatever they did to him. Um, and then, you know, a Devin gray alien with large eyes. <laughs> God, that was so fucking lame. <laughs> Walked them into this giant frisbee pancake looking disc, and you know, it's just like Betty said that the the craft was as big as her house was long. Mm. And again, 1950s shotgun homes very common. Right, right. right. I mean, that's like a, a quarter of a, a normal apartment building, mm-hmm. like in length. That's pretty big. Yeah, they're usually pretty big. Um, ten days after the alleged UFO encounter, Betty began having a series of vivid dreams, which we had just discussed. Uh, they continued for five successive nights and then stopped abruptly after the fifth night and never returned again. On November 1961, uh, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams, and in one dream, she encountered a roadblock with men who surrounded their car. She lost consciousness and struggled to regain it. She then realized she was being forced by two small men to walk into the forest at night, and that was weird. That was very weird. That was strange. That was very strange. There's nothing on here. I don't that like would, that. I don't either. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Forced by two small men to walk in a forest at nighttime and seeing Barney walking behind her. Though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. So he was 
in a whole other level than right, her. Right, right, yeah. The men stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall and were matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black eyes, I mean, with black hair and dark black eyes, prominent noses, and blush lips. Again, changing their appearance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Their skin was a grayish color, however. Yeah, that's not very human-like. In the dreams, Betty and Barney and the men walk up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by a man that she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. She and Barney were taken into separate rooms at that time. Betty also dreamt that a new man, Slender, more similar to the others, uh, entered to conduct her exam with the leader, but they called this new man the examiner. And she said that he had a pleasant, calm manner, though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English. The examiner's command of the language seemed rather imperfect, and she had difficulty understanding him. So that's her account, mm-hmm. like, of what I was just describing. Um, and, and, again, hearing it from the horse's mouth on a lot of this stuff is just... It's kind of freaky. It's really weird. It's definitely it's weird. really weird. Like, there's no way that these that I think you could come up with this much detail. It's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's it's quite a bit of um, there's a lot of interesting little bits about the whole story where it's just like you would have really had to think about all this. Oh yeah. I mean, and the report could, was made the day after. Like, there's no way this on their drive from New Ham, like down through New Hampshire, that they just came right. up with this. Could they have come up with a story? Absolutely. Do I think they did? Uh, do I think that they were abducted by aliens? Also, uh, but so again, if they came up with the story and it was fabricated, uh-huh. why was it so prominently described? In Barney Hill's regression therapy, because yeah, I regression don't. therapy wouldn't be deep buried in your mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's it would be off the cuff. There's definitely some, 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 some questions. It's a weird one, man. Yep, it's a weird one. So that has been the story of Betty and Barney Hill. Now, a lot of weird things technically have been going on right here. <laughs> I swear, I had that thing on vibrate. Uh, the aliens turned it on. They wanted to call you. Know. They wanted to call in. And next up, we have Kalaxar from Rosetta Reticuli. Um, do you have any closing like, I do. ideas? Um, well, I, I just wanted to say that uh, this is the hit, like what happened to them not long after. Barney died of a cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969, at the age of 46. Betty Hill died of cancer on October 17th in 2004. Oh, she At the age of 85. Whoa. So, again, Barney died really soon after this encounter. Yeah. And Betty never remarried either. Yeah. Uh, later in life, Betty claimed that she has seen UFOs a number of times after that incident, after the initial abduction. And she also became a celebrity in the UFO community and did a lot of stuff with that. Sure. Um, in 1966, the writer John G. Fuller secured the corporation secured the corporation of the Hills and Simeon and wrote a book called The Interpreted Journey uh, about their case. The book included a copy of Betty's sketch of the star map that she uh, saw by the aliens. 
the book was a quick success and went through several different printings. Betty saw no uh, financial recuperations from that either. Interesting. So there's a lot of things that um, happen around this. I just want to say that this has happened to you. Don't be afraid to share it. But also be careful about who you sign contracts with. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) Uh, You know, the family of the Hills um, stays pretty private. From what I can understand, I wasn't able to get in contact with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Were you going to try? Yes, I was trying to get one of them on the show. I thought that would be really cool. I mean, just be like, hey, what did you think about your great-grandmother getting abducted by aliens (laughs) and your great-grandfather getting herpes from aliens? I just want to know. Jeez. (laughs) So this has been Wolf Takes a Bite out of Betty and Barney Hill. Alien abductions. <laughs> Any last thoughts there, Devin? Uh, no. Like the social medias. Like the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram at Wolf Takes a Bite POD, all lowercase, all one word, and at Twitter, Wolf Takes a Bite in the number one. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. Laters. <laughs> <laughs>